0: Hello and welcome to Series 4 of the Igniting Change podcast. It's been another tumultuous year as we come to grips with the global pandemic and its myriad repercussions. Through it all, Igniting Change has continued to work hard to bring about positive outcomes for the unseen and unheard in our community. Our guest today is Carla Raines. Carla is the founder and CEO of Bridget a charity providing innovative solutions to homelessness. Hi, Carla. Well, hi there. Is that a reasonable way of explaining Bridget? Could you tell me what Bridget is and does? Yeah, sure. So Bridget's a brand new charity that's focused
1: on trying to create homes for people who have been at risk of homelessness. And that's really different to the aim, I think, of a lot of homelessness organisations, which is really about putting roofs overheads. We actually really want to go that one step further and actually create really great environments for people to thrive. And what we think is different about creating homes is that homes are somewhere where you choose to be, not where you're forced to be, where you feel safe and where you're around people that you actually want to be around. We really want to keep people connected to their communities, so house people in their communities, and then have a strong focus on connection as well as just that roof. So make sure that people are connected to the people that they're living with
0: and also connected to their communities. That's quite a list of things for you to accomplish. What's the first step in doing that? We're
1: running a few different programs. So, for the last three and a half years, I've been running a social enterprise called HomeShare Melbourne, which I founded with three other women. And HomeShare Melbourne had a very similar focus in that we were trying to create homes in connection. So we supported people who uh, were experiencing homelessness or people who were living with disabilities to find essentially flatmates to live with, a supportive flatmate who would also act as a mentor and a friend to them. So that was really successful and that went really, really well. And we're bringing that concept, we're bringing that programme into the new charity Bridget. So that's one thing we'll be doing, continuing to do. And then second to that, we've got access to a couple of incredible properties through a community housing provider that operates in the St Kilda area. So they're providing us with access to a 19 apartment property, slap bang in the heart of St Kilda. And we're going to be using that property to turn it into a space for young people who are transitioning out of out of home care or homelessness with that strong focus, again, about creating a home and a community. So we want it to be a therapeutic. Space for the young women. It's going to be all young women. We want it to be a therapeutic space for the women who live there. We're going to have all kinds of different activities to keep people engaged dog walking groups, art therapy. We're going to try and have a a sensory space for the young women because we're anticipating that they're going to be very traumatised. And really, that type of accommodation so housing with support is something that is desperately needed, but really not very available within the space. And also we've very recently just found out in the last couple of days that we're going to be taking on a second property, which will be similar with some twists. So that property is going to be for women also, but it will be for um, over 25-year-olds. And that property will be um, long-term housing for the women. But we're going to have a supportive mentor living on site, which is actually also something that we're going to be doing with the youth project. So that's really central, I think, and really key to why we're different and what's the creativity and kind of what we do is that we think it's really important to have a positive social mix in these kind of accommodations that you really need to have some people who are quite stable if you're going to have a mix of people who have varying different degrees of, of complexities and challenge in their life.
0: So where do you find the inverted commas stable people and and who are they?
1: We find it really easy to find people actually that want to do that. Like we find that... Um, There's a general desire in the population to do something good and something worthwhile and valuable. And this is a real opportunity for people to do something that's great and have serious impact on someone's life. But also we find it's incredibly rewarding for the people that choose to do it, that they get at least as much out from doing it. So we advertise in various ways. So we advertise on our social media, advertise on Facebook. We've got an amazing long-term corporate partnership with flatmates.com.au. So we advertise on their site and then we go through like interview processes and we police check everybody and, and we make sure that it's all super safe. And then, and then we, su- we support the arrangements. So we support the mentor
0: as much as we support the person who's on our program. As you said, people want to do something good. And if you are a person living by yourself, the notion of being amongst other people of a similar age in the same community might be really attractive. And I guess that's why you don't have any trouble filling these positions.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of motivation for doing it. I think humans, we're pack animals and we actually really want to be around other people. Most of us, anyway. And COVID's been in lots of ways a real driver for what we do because um, people have never been so disconnected and so lonely. So there's been such a desire for people. Like we found that at the start of the pandemic, we had a huge spike in single women who are living alone with spare rooms in their home, contacting Home Share Melbourne and saying, I want to offer this room to somebody. And we've had arrangements that have lasted through the whole pandemic and that they're great friends. And you think, Wow, it's hard enough to be in lockdown. <laughs> with your family, isn't it? To be yeah. in down with somebody who you you really don't know um, and then for that to actually create a really strong relationship, potentially a lifelong relationship, is just so exciting.
0: Maybe that's why it works because it's not family. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it has been a time when people are really dealing with the notion of being alone and having that comfort of cooking with somebody else or for somebody else. I think the notion of conversation and connection is so important and i can't believe that somebody hasn't thought of this before carla what?
1: like so much of what I do and say is so obvious <laughs> but then nobody is really doing that which I find to be really interesting and I think homelessness is an issue is it's so problematic and you know I've worked in homelessness in the UK and, and also over here and we're all dealing with the same issues like why can't we actually um, end people's homelessness long term why, why do people keep coming back around all the time and I think I've had a lot of years to think about it because really it's all I've ever done I've worked in homelessness since I was 18 so for me connection is absolutely key people who have experienced um, living on the street they have a community that community's on the street they're actually quite connected often they see the same people every day you know somebody might buy them a coffee that they've got real and deep friendships with people who also live on the street And then what we do is we house them and then we just connect them from their community. And then we're so surprised when they come back around and we see them two months later because we think, well, hang on, we ticked that box. We put a a roof over that person's head. Like, why are they homeless again? And then it's kind of almost like, oh, well, they're the problem. Like, they're the problematic one. And a little bit of a sense of blame maybe. Like, well, they were given this opportunity and then they just sabotaged it. Whereas actually we really need to focus on that connection element when we're trying to end somebody's homelessness so we're supporting a few people at the moment through a government initiative called Homeless to Home which is a really exciting and amazing project which supports people who were accommodated through COVID who were experiencing homelessness pre-COVID to go into hotels and they've been in hotels now for like 12 to 18 months and now we need to actually find a a plan for these people we need to find homes for them but my team is so focused on that connection element so like what is it that we can make sure that they can do so that they actually remain connected and so far the people that we have managed to house through the program have all continue to be housed we haven't had any housing breakdowns in that in that program and I feel like that boils down a lot to the fact that we've put such a focus on actually making sure that people are really truly connected connected to the person who's supporting them so there's a real relationship there and also making sure that they've got other activities and people to see and things to do and then just really focusing on when we do transition people into housing what can we wrap around that person to make sure that they do feel like they've actually got a home that they want to go back to like focusing on really um making sure that that we give them adequate furniture that, that there's a lot of things in there like we're exploring things like one person we support feels particularly isolated so looking into potentially getting them a cat and like that kind of creative thinking is really what um, I think makes the the difference
0: in terms of actually being able to support people to stay housed. And it's simple, isn't it? It's not as if we're dealing with another species. We're all dealing with people just like you and me. So if you think about yourself and you think, well, what would make me feel happy? How would I be able to feel like I had someone to like, well, yes, yeah, so a cat, what a great idea. Do you think part of the problem with the whole notion of people who are homeless, that people will say, oh, well, I don't give the homeless money because they they just go and spend it on drugs or they've all got mental health issues. I mean, how do you deal with those sort of preconceived notions in the community about what homelessness is?
1: Yeah, because it's interesting. Um, I don't actually
0: give money to people who are
1: sleeping rough on the street um, and and that's, that's because I feel like... Um, <laughs> There's actually a lot of really valuable organisations that are doing really great work that you can donate to if you really want to have a serious impact in terms of homelessness and I'd guess like Bridget would be a great example like give money to a charity that's doing great things that's actually housing people and it's actually having a serious kind of impact. but, but in terms of people's perceptions of people who experience homelessness, like that's a really that's a really deeply challenging thing to get people to kind of think differently about, I guess. Like the really big thing that I feel is really important for people to know is that people who sleep on the street, the large majority of them have experienced trauma as a child. When you actually sit down with people and you hear their stories, it's so horrific and they nearly always stories of really severe abuse and neglect which doesn't just stop when their childhood ends that usually often translates into their adult life as well. Like for the women that we're supporting who they've experienced, often experienced so much violence in their childhood that violence becomes very normal. So then they become very vulnerable to experiencing violence as adults. So I feel like if people maybe took a bit of a step back to think more about, I wonder what happened to that person. Like I wonder what they've been through and then maybe focus on, well, how incredibly strong they must be to still be alive because I think that's quite amazing like the people that we support have been through so much and they're still here and often the most beautiful, most kind, most caring people. So I think we really need to stop viewing them as dangerous. Yeah. And that's a really kind of a key thing. And I think I, I would fight that within the community, but also fight that in the sector that we've become quite anxious, I think, about working with people that that we think that they might be carrying weapons or they might be this and that. But actually that's just like I've been working now for 18 years in the field. I've never been abused. I've never been hurt. No one I've ever worked with ever has.
0: I can't imagine anyone abusing you, Carly. You're so lovely.
1: But these are like often, like you said a minute ago, they're just people like you and I, but they're people who have had a really, really um, rough trot and people that actually need a little bit of support and compassion.
0: And what do you do about the substance abuse issues?
1: Drug and alcohol work's a big passion of mine, huge passion. So like I did some further study in in that area and I was working for many years as a drug and alcohol worker. I had the opportunity to work with the same group of people for three years, but work with them really creatively around their drug and alcohol use and other issues. But the big thing for me in terms of how I support people is in, with a strong focus on harm reduction. So really telling people not to use drugs is actually just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't actually help people to reduce their drug use. You have to yeah. look at all of the other elements of their life. Like usually when you work with people around, well, why are they using drugs? Like using drugs because actually my mental health really bad and I'm really struggling to cope. I'm using drugs because I feel really lonely and when I use drugs I feel really connected those types of things so actually when you find out people's motivations for using drugs then you can start addressing those things okay you feel really disconnected let's connect you you feel really sad let's try and do something about that rather than just really focusing in on the drugs and just constantly kind of talking about reducing those drugs but what you find is that over a period of time when you start addressing those drivers for some of these drug uses that the drug use will just naturally reduce or might might become safer over a period of time but for me the aspiration for people isn't necessarily that they stop using drugs it might just be that they start using drugs in a way that's safer for them
0: yeah I I had a, a funny experience the other day a lovely young woman who lives on the street nearby to me, we often have little chats. And I said, "Look, can I get you something in the fruit shop?" And she said, "Oh, I just want a pack of ciggies." <laughs> and I said, "Look, I'm so sorry, but I can't buy, that. I can't do that for you. <laughs> I really don't want you to
1: smoke." But if the young woman asked you for heroin, you wouldn't just give it to her. So it's kind of like, look I yeah. can totally understand. I can understand where <laughs> you're coming from there. But the worst drugs we've got are alcohol and cigarettes, hands mm. down. Like they're the most problematic drugs that we've got in society. So, and that's what we're seeing is killing the mm. communities of people that we work with that well, they might have been using heroin for 40 years but but they're more likely to die of smoking or alcohol-related illnesses than they are the heroin.
0: Yeah. Carla, you've focused on young women for this project. Is it that young women are more likely to become homeless or you're more in touch with young women because you're a young woman?
1: The big thing for me about Bridget is trying to address the desperate and urgent gaps in the services which really should be provided but aren't. like I can't tell you how many times I've sat there when I've been working with somebody and, and I, I've got a, such a strong sense of what they need. And I, I know what kind of housing they need and it's usually that they actually need some housing with support needs to be high quality housing with support in a grey area. It can't be some dodgy boarding house in Moe, which is packed for blokes when this is a young woman who's got a trauma history. Mm. The, the really frustrating thing when you really start thinking about what it is that a person needs is that often the answer is, well, there's nothing like that that exists. So really that's one of my big passions for Bridget is to think, well, where are the most urgent needs and what can we do about it? So for young people... I think that that need for a supported, very creative, connected community to live in, it's just an urgent need. We know how poor the outcomes for young people are that when they're leaving care, the chance of them engaging in the criminal justice system or becoming homeless, that, that's so high. And we're despite reforms that are happening in the space, we're still... Um, exiting people on their 18th birthday, which I can't actually think of anything that's more cruel than that. Terrible. Exiting them from out-of-home care and basically out the door and into homelessness or wherever that might be. I mean, not to say that there isn't some really great work happening in the space because there really is and that change is on the horizon, but really in terms of that kind of great supported accommodation option so that we can give people a soft landing out of that type of environment, that doesn't exist. So I think that that was really important for me, like a really urgent need to address. And I think that in terms of why, so why women, it's about the fact that we need safe spaces for women, that women who have experienced trauma often identify that they really just can't be in a space with males. And like, I don't want to create a sense that men are dangerous because I don't believe that. Some men are, and one of our most amazing workers on our team Ollie who's a very experienced youth worker he's going to be a critical part of running um, this project which is for women so they'll get to have a positive relationship on site with a man we're not going to say no men are welcome because we think that men are dangerous it's certainly not that but it's just about creating a sense of safety for those women so that they can actually recover from their trauma and support them for long enough to be able to get them ready for that next step so Like I've worked in lots of crisis accommodations and there's a a lot of really great things about what the crisis accommodations are doing. Support on site, you know, a therapeutic environment, group work, acupuncture, those types of things I'm hoping to integrate into the youth project. But we do it for six to eight weeks and then we turf them out. And then again, we're surprised why they keep coming back because we actually haven't addressed the issue. So I've been thinking about, well, what are the biggest problems and the length of time that we accommodate people, the lack of female-only accommodation, the lack of options for people leaving care, these are all critical kind of needs, which is what created that desire to actually have that space. But then also the other the other side of things is Well, we do also need long-term accommodation and sometimes that long-term accommodation really needs to be supported too. From my experience of working with people over that period of three years I was just talking about was that I could see that the people that I supported really intensively over that period of time, they weren't offending, their drug use was under control, there was no serious overdoses, hospital admissions, none of them were incarcerated, all of them maintained their housing because they had great support for that whole period but then when i that when they get, got exited from that program because of the length of time then i start seeing them again coming yeah. down to the services in st kilda so what that tells me is that actually for some people even 3 years isn't enough some people might need support forever yeah. and that's what we're trying to do with the second project is we're saying okay Well, the other urgent need is that maybe we really need to have some accommodation that's actually supported potentially forever. Like we we don't want to create dependence and we don't want to like kind of over support people. If people are going really well, then we will slowly ease off to a point where we're not even there like. The biggest desire, and this is something that Jane also says about igniting change, which is extremely true for Bridget too, is that we don't actually want to be wanted. Like the best thing that somebody could say to us is, I don't need you anymore. Yes, exactly. So we don't want to be wanted, but at the same time, support shouldn't end at a time where it's also urgently continued to be needed. So the intention of that project is to address that other need, which is, well, what happens for women as they might be getting older, but they still have a
0: lot of challenges. Life doesn't get easier. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: <laughs> Some people might not need us anymore. Some yeah. people might continue to need us. So, so that's addressing that need. And I think I really hope for Bridget that it can grow, that it can continue to do, that it will do more exciting and creative things. And who knows? The next project I've got in mind is the Mums and Babies supporting mums, and that's been a been a long term kind of desire. I. I was working at the Royal Women's on a project for pregnant women who were drug using and also experiencing homelessness. So I really kind of saw how desperate that need is, and that we need to. <laughs> what became really apparent to me when doing that work was that what we need to focus on is keeping mums with babies. Actually, disconnecting them is not good for the mum or the baby. But I kept on thinking, well, You kind of almost need somebody to foster the mum and baby.
0: Yeah, that's true. You need
1: somebody to take in both and Mm. support them both. Um, And some of these mums were, you know, 15. You know, some of these mums were children really themselves. So you really need them to be in a supported environment. So I think the whole Bridget model, the whole concept about creating homes and creating connection and providing um, support and housing together, they're all the kind of critical elements of, of Bridget. That is so transferable and so desperately needed with the mums and babies too. So I think we could create much better starts for these babies if we did provide that. Like we can't have babies who are experiencing homelessness. It puts them for so many reasons, but also just puts them so at risk of experiencing homelessness later. We know this with young people too, for the project that will be, the youth project that we'll be running is that, you experience homelessness when you're 18 your chance of experiencing homelessness in adult life or all kinds of other challenges that you might experience like more traumas more challenges more mental health challenges more criminal justice engagement that's going to make your life so much harder so like we really there needs to be an assertive engagement and an early intervention type approach like early intervention as young as you know birth or even maybe before, and then really focusing on these young people when they hit 18, but also acknowledging that sometimes people, we don't actually pick them up. We don't support them early enough and that we need to support those people too. So these are huge dreams, big aspirations that have been developing in my mind for (laughs) many, many, many years and really only now starting to kind of come to fruition. But I think one of the really important things for me to say is that this uh, all of this excitement, all of this energy and incredible things that are happening simply wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for igniting change. I think I'm full of good ideas. But, like,
0: but you like are. A
1: lot of, I feel like I've got a lot of um, creativity and a lot of solutions that I feel like really could have a serious impact. But actually, that's not enough alone Mm, I've had them for a long time it's not until you get the right people around you and some resources behind you that you that could actually do something to achieve something like this so I think Jane has this incredible ability to see good ideas and to see passion and then to see what's required to be able to make it happen and The amount of strings that she's managed to pull to try and get this happening, (laughs) Jane and her team is quite incredible. Like every single thing that you need to be able to set a charity up is huge. Like we need uh, lawyers to go through that whole process. We needed support around the marketing and the website and Jane managed to get McCann's to do all of that stuff for us connecting me with all kinds of incredible and amazing people um, like you see earlier and like many other people who've helped <laughs> who've helped me kind of along the way and then connecting me with last week she connected me to four really inspirational women who are all doing amazing things but also have an incredible passion to have social impact and they've committed one hundred twenty thousand. Um, oh wow that's so that's so great <laughs> The list, the list just goes on and on and on, but people keep on asking me, "Oh how, how did that come about? How did that come about?" And nine times out of ten it's um, it's a Jane <laughs> or igniting change. Connection. Yeah,
0: she's amazing, a Wonder Woman, and you're a Wonder Woman, Carla. I know that igniting change, as you just said, means a lot. What's the one thing though, that igniting change has taught you?
1: I think that it is possible. I really had some of my ideas kind of challenged, I think. I didn't think that I could set my own charity up. I just felt like that was so completely out of reach and Igniting Change told me that it wasn't. So that's that's been the most critical thing. I guess it just maybe taught, Igniting Change maybe taught me to think bigger and just go for it and not think about the reasons why I can't, but actually just focus on the reasons why I can and just go for it so I think that's been the biggest kind of most critical thing that's come from working with Igniting
0: Change. Carla your energy and enthusiasm is infectious and I have got no doubt that Bridget is just going to grow and grow and all of the things that you dream up are going to come true. Good luck with everything especially Bridget and I look forward to hearing about you reading about you and enjoying your success in the future.
1: Thank you so much Celia.
0: That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. And remember, see the person, not the label.